Welcome to Practical Christian Living. No wonder there's so much misunderstanding about the rapture of the church. If it were not a mystery, then it would be something that is incredibly clear. But it's a mystery, something we're not told a whole lot about. But the day is coming within a moment and a twinkling of an eye. And we should understand that the second return of Jesus happens in two parts. We don't have to understand everything in Scripture. Some mysteries are truly that, a mystery. Some or all of which we won't fully understand until we're in the presence of our Savior. It is our prayer that today's teaching on the rapture of the church will strengthen your faith and certainty that we are living in the last days, even though we may still have a lot of questions about how the Bible describes this time and the picture the world has painted of it in our minds. We're in Luke chapter 17. Here's Robert Furrow. We thank you for your word. It is deep and it is profound. We thank you that it works within our hearts and that we are studying something that was inspired by you and that you have, that you have preserved from generation to generation, not only here in Luke, but throughout the entire Word of God. And we do pray that it would work in us and we pray that we would have the right heart. We pray that we would not have a hard heart. We pray that we wouldn't have that we wouldn't have wrong expectations. We want to follow you. We want your word to do a work. We're going to follow you wherever you take us. You speak and we want to listen. We want to follow. And Lord, we don't want to have the cares of this world choke out your word. We are yours and you are our God and we surrender ourselves to you in a new, fresh way. And we consider what's going on in the world today. We consider the end of the world and whether or not we're living in the last days. And this rapture of the church that is taught so clearly in Scripture, I pray that we would see it, consider it today, and how, if any changes, should be made because of what we find here today. And we thank you for this. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today we're going to consider whether or not the Bible teaches the rapture of the church. And the timing of this is really good because there are a lot of people right now who are claiming that the rapture is going to happen real soon. They're claiming they know when the rapture is happening. They're claiming that they're having dreams and that God told them that the rapture is happening. They're claiming that they've done their own study and that at and this time of year, September, this time of year is always every single year. There's someone that comes out and says the rapture is going to happen in September. That's because the Feast of Trumpets is in September and the rapture is talked about happening with a shout and the trumpet of God. So people will always connect the Feast of Trumpets with the return of Jesus. And the way that I feel is it will never happen in September because of that. The Bible says it is at a time that we do not know that we are not expecting it, that it happens. And so whenever someone comes out and says the rapture of the church is going to happen in this day, I always think, thank you for ruining that day. Now we know out of all the days that are out there that this is a day that Jesus Christ cannot come back. In fact, the Bible says it's at a time when we say peace and safety, that sudden destruction comes upon you. So often when we think of the end of the world, we're thinking of, you know, apocalypse now. We're thinking of smoke and helicopters flying through the sky. And we're thinking of times that are different. 
very much like the times that we're living in now. Do you know that in the book of Revelation, Mystery Babylon is destroyed and the whole world mourns over the destruction of Mystery Babylon because they have been made rich from Mystery Babylon. That tells us at the end of the world, we always think of a financial disaster, but it tells us at the end of the world and probably something to do with the Antichrist that there is this wealth that is created for the world and when, with whatever mystery Babylon is, when it is destroyed, then the whole world will mourn over those things. But this is really timely because we have a lot of people now. All you got to do is spend a little bit of time, look up, I shouldn't tell you this, but look up Rapture on YouTube and buckle up because you have all kinds of people. First of all, from people who are going to tell you that there will be no rapture all the way to people that are saying that it's happening right now, that it's going to happen here in the next month or so. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 36, that no one knows the day or the hour. Now they'll say, well, no one knows the day or the hour, but it doesn't say anything about the month or the year. So they'll try to set a month and a year. But the whole um, the spirit of that scripture. You know how we talk about the spirit of the law? There's the letter of the law. We talk about the spirit of the law. The, the, the spirit of that passage is that no one knows when it's going to happen. That's what Jesus meant when he said, no one knows the day or the hour, not the son of man. Jesus, when he was here on earth, didn't know it, nor the angels. The angels don't even know it. Now we were told to be aware of the signs of the times that even in the days of Jesus, they knew that a red sky meant something for the weather and that we should keep our eyes on the times, but we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. And that means, by the way, months or years as well. So before we get into our text, I want to consider a few passages on the rapture of the church so we can see that it is clearly taught in Scripture. One of my favorite is 1 Corinthians 15. I want to start with verse 50. We'll read through 52. It says, Now I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That means that when we're going into the kingdom of God, we're not going to be taking these bodies with us. Nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And we see that the Bible uses the word for a Christian sleeping as death. This is seen in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, when it says that he will bring back with him those who have fallen asleep. And by fallen asleep, it means they're coming back with Jesus because they died and they're with Jesus now. And so they come back. So when he says, I tell you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. He says, I'm telling you a mystery. We shall not all die, but we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. This is just in the twinkling of an eye. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible and this mortal must put on immortality. Now quite a few things in this passage. Number one, it's a mystery. No wonder there's so much misunderstanding about the rapture of the church. If it were not a mystery, then it would be something that is incredibly clear. But it's a mystery, something we're not told a whole lot about. But the day is coming within a moment and a twinkling of an eye. And we should understand that the second return of Jesus happens in two parts. It starts with him returning for his church. And I'll read a passage about that here in a moment. And then he comes and he returns to establish the kingdom of heaven on the earth. 
the second return of Christ happens in two stages. He comes to get his church and he comes to establish his kingdom on the earth. Now let's take a moment to consider how strange that sounds. Let's take a moment to really just stop and think that Christians are going to disappear. We're going to be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye. We're going to shoot out of the sky and left behind here is my clothes and left behind there in those seats would be your clothes and you would be transformed and taken into heaven. When we tell people in the world about this, there are some people who go, you evangelical Christians have absolutely lost your mind. And I agree with them that it's strange. It is strange. If we can step back from our familiarity with the topic and go, we're really just going to, we're going to fly up into heaven. We're going to meet God in the air. Hey, that is strange. It's a strange concept. But just because it's strange doesn't mean it's not true. It is strange that God would become a man and walk among us. It is strange that he would do miracles in our presence and feed 5,000 and walk on water. It is strange that he would give his life, that God became a man and gave his life on the cross and would die for our sins and raise from the dead again on the third day. So just because it's strange doesn't mean that it can't happen, but it might be good for us in the way that we interact with people around us if we admit that this is this is odd. It's an odd teaching, but the Bible clearly teaches it. Listen to Jesus talking about his return. He said, I'm going to come back again, but he talks about first coming to get the church and then later on he'll talk about establishing his kingdom. John 14, verses 1 through 3. Jesus is talking to his disciples on the night that he is arrested. This is the Last Supper. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, I love that from Jesus. He says, look, if, I, if there wasn't a place for you up in heaven, if there wasn't a mansion for you, I would have told you that. He says, I go to prepare for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Now, notice the promise of this return is not a return to the earth to establish his kingdom. He says, I'm going to my father. There are many mansions there. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm preparing a place for you, then I'm going to come again and receive you to that place. Why would he prepare a place for you if he wasn't going to come receive you that you might be able to go into that place? So there is a place up in heaven prepared for us. There's a mansion. There is a home. What an absolutely amazing thing. But notice that Jesus says, I am coming to receive you that where I am, there you may be also. Now, so far, we've learned that there's this mystery that we're going to be changed in a moment and twinkling of an eye. And we've learned that Jesus is going to come back and receive us to himself after he's prepared a mansion for us. But now let's look at the key passage for the rapture of the church. That's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verses 13 through 18. He says, but I do not want you to be ignorant. I think maybe the word unaware is better. He's not insulting. We don't usually use the word ignorant unless we're insulting someone. We try to be a little nicer than that when we're talking with people. So what he's saying is, I don't want you guys to be unaware of this. They were unaware. In fact, they were believing that when someone died, they would miss out on the rapture of the church. They would miss out on being with Christ. 
They had yet to get the passages you and I have that says to be absent in this body is to be present with the Lord. And isn't that such a good thing? The moment we take our last breath here and everything fades to black, we open up our spiritual eyes in a new body and we see Christ and we are in heaven with him. He says, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now we understand again what that means, right? It's the Bible's way of saying that when a Christian dies, he doesn't really die. He's just fallen asleep. In fact, I was doing some research yesterday and I found out that we get our word cemetery from one of the old Greek words for an inn, that we're just checking in. It's just a cemetery. We're just there for a little while. We're going to come back out again. And that's the idea when a Christian dies. We'll die. We'll close our eyes, but we will open them up again. He says, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as those who have no hope. When someone dies who is in Christ, listen, I know how hard it is. I've been through it. I know what it's like to have someone you love, but I can tell you that my sorrow was nowhere near as bad as it would be had I not known that my late wife was in the presence of God. We don't sorrow as those who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. When he returns, he's going to bring them with us. We don't got to be unaware thinking that they're going to somehow miss it. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. Sounds like 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 53, doesn't it? And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up. The word in the Greek is harpazo, the word in Latin is raptura, and the word that in English is rapture. So when people say, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible. I, I love the response to that. The word Trinity is not in the Bible. The word Bible is not in the Bible. And we believe in all those things. But the word rapture really is. It might not be there in English, but that phrase caught up is the word in Latin for rapture. And harpazo literally means to be snatched up in a moment, that God would be here and he's going to take us at an unexpected time that you and I do not know. Jesus says, you don't know when I'm returning, so be ready. Then it says those who are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the clouds, Jesus and those who precede us, to meet the Lord in the air. Thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Notice that these words were meant to comfort each other, that when someone goes before us, that we will meet them again in the air. At least there will be some, the mystery that not everybody's going to die. We might die and go to be in the presence of the Lord. The rapture might not be in our lifetime, but it might be. And we might experience this. Yes, it's strange, but the Bible says that it would happen. In Matthew 24, 44, Jesus said, Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect him. Not only in an hour that, that you don't know the day or the hour, but he's coming in an hour that you don't expect him. It's one of the reasons that I know that Jesus isn't coming back this September because there's all kinds of people expecting him and he's going to come back when we don't expect him. 
In Revelation 3.10, he's writing to the church of Philadelphia. That's the faithful church. And he tells them that he's going to keep them from the hour of trial that's coming upon the whole earth. We're going to get to the hour of a trial in a minute. We're going to ask why there needs to be a rapture. Why does there have to be? But I want you to see this verse first. Revelation 3.10 says, because you have kept my command to persevere. He says, you guys have been faithful. You've kept my command and you've persevered. I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Now we get an idea of what this seven-year tribulation period is all about. It's about a time of testing, a trial to test those who dwell on the earth. They are not living for God. They're living for earthly measures and they will be tested. He says, I'm going to keep you from that hour of trial to test those who are on the earth for those who dwell on the earth. And then Matthew 24, 44, again, therefore be ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour you don't expect him. So there's a promise of deliverance before this time of trial. And then finally, I want to read to you again one of my, I, I said this about 1 Corinthians 15, certainly true. It's one of my favorite, but this one is as well. That's Luke 21, verses 34 through 36. But take heed to yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with carousing and drunkenness and the cares of this life and that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all of those who dwell on the face of the earth. Remember what he said in Revelation 3.10? It's coming to test those who dwell on the earth. This will come as a snare to all of those who dwell on the earth. And then he says this to us. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass. This is the tribulation period, the seven final years. Pray that you'd be counted worthy to escape them and stand before the Son of Man. Years ago, when I was debating someone about the rapture of the church, they said to me, well, you're just an American, an American that wants to escape the tribulation. And I said, what gave it away on both parts? First, that I'm an American. Second, that I want to escape. Who doesn't want to escape? When you read Revelation 5 through 18 and you read about the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments, which one of us goes, I can't wait. I just want to go through. No, we want to be set free. We want to escape those, and so we are to pray. And here's the rapture of the church again in verse 36. Let me read it again. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all of these things that will come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. You escape them and you stand before the Son of Man. Now, why does there need to be a rapture? Why does God need to come and take us out of this world? Because, let me say what, what, why, and then we'll go back and look at it because God's going to judge this world. And you and I have been set free from judgment. We are not going to be judged anymore because we've been born again. We've been saved. And so God's not going to judge us. And that is something that is so exciting. And for anybody here that's considering surrendering your life to Christ, if you do that today, then you will not be judged. In Daniel chapter 9, we are told that there is seven years still determined for the nation of Israel. We're told that there were 70 years determined for Israel and for his people. And then we're told that 69 passed with the cutting off of the Messiah. Then there was a gap and God would one day again return and deal with Jerusalem and the people of Israel. And isn't it amazing that in 1948, Israel became a nation again? 
that throughout the Old Testament, Jeremiah and Isaiah, that God promised that he would bring them back from all around the world where they would have been dispersed. And, and the Jewish people literally were dispersed all around the world and that God would bring them back to one place and that they would become a nation born again in a day, Isaiah 11, just as it happened. In 1900, there were a few thousand Jews that lived in Israel. Today, there's some five million that live in Israel. The number's higher than that. I'm being conservative. There's some five million that live there today. They have been brought there from all around the world. I remember when I was a youth pastor, I'm sitting and was doing my studying one night and I had the news on in the background and they talked about Ethiopian Jews returning to Israel. They had a plane that had landed in Tel Aviv and they were watching as the Ethiopian Jews came out and kissed the ground and were so excited. And I got my Bible because I remembered a passage that said, I will call my people back. And it was giving a list of places. And one of them was, I will call them back from Ethiopia. And I found it. I'm looking at my Bible and looking at the news. The news really is coming alive. The Bible is coming alive in the news even as we speak. And so God is going to deal with Israel again and they are going to be saved. What does Romans 9 tell us? that God will save them again, that even though they as a people group have rejected the Messiah, individuals are being saved, but as a people group rejected the Messiah, that the people of Israel will one day again, in essence as a whole, find Christ and receive him as their Messiah. That will happen through the difficulties of this tribulation period. So he said that there are still seven years determined for Israel. 69 of them are passed with the, the, the death of the Messiah, but there's still seven years that has to deal with the nation of Israel and Jerusalem. These seven years are explained in detail in Revelation 5 through 18. And I made mention of the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, and the bowl judgments. It starts with three and a half years that are a tribulation, and then three and a half years that are the great tribulation. And in the middle of the tribulation, there's the abomination of desolation that Jesus spoke of. Jesus said there is a time coming on this earth that is worse than anything that has ever happened and worse than anything that will ever happen. That is still in our future. We still have that time that is coming. That's that great tribulation, the tribulation and the great tribulation. It is called a time of Jacob's trouble. I talked about Israel gathering back together again and seven years that are determined for the nation of Israel. In Jeremiah 30, chapter seven, it says, alas, for that day is great so that none is like it. It is a time of Jacob's trouble. Do you remember when Jacob got a new name, what his name was? Israel. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. And this is a time of Jacob's trouble, but he will be saved out of it. Jeremiah and Paul in Romans chapter nine agree they will be saved out of it. Jesus said at the end of everything, he will gather the saints together on the earth in Matthew 24, 31. He comes back for his church in this rapture, this mystery, and then he returns to the earth and he sends his angels out in Matthew 24, 31 to gather the saints that are all around the world, the four corners of the world, it says, and bring them back to him. Now, those who believe in a post-tribulation rapture believe that's the rapture of the church, but it's not. It's a gathering together of the tribulation saints. When you are and I are taken out, there are people who are going to get saved. They're going to recognize what has happened. They're going to have watched the uh, Nicolas Cage movie Left Behind. At least some of them have. And they're going to commit their lives to Christ. Plus, there will be Jewish people who, as a nation, turn back to the Lord, and they will need to be gathered together again. 
This is the gathering of the tribulation saints who survive. We pray that the Lord is speaking to you in a personal way here at Practical Christian Living. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, Calvary Tucson is open and holding physical services while being mindful of social distancing guidelines. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service online at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living Radio has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org, where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or have questions about salvation? Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com. And don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson and Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living Sunday mornings at 8.30 on KGUN 9 TV. May we walk worthy while we wait for the return of our Savior. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.